Mississippi State playing South Carolina. And tomorrow, Gonzaga, uh, the, the men's finals will be Gonzaga and North Carolina. And these are some great matchups. As always, you never know what you're going to get. And if you watch these uh, basketball finals, uh, you learn to live on the roller coaster, right? It, it is very difficult to predict the outcome because it can change in the last millisecond of the game. If uh, somebody makes a shot or somebody misses a shot, or something happens, then uh, there are, there's just a lot of excitement. And it is, uh, in one moment, having all kinds of anxiety that your team is ahead that may lose. It's the opposite that you're losing, and you might be able to win. And so you can go from thrill to fear in just a matter of seconds. And that sounds a lot like life, doesn't it? We talk about the roller coaster of life that at one moment... We can be on top of the world and something can come along during the day and the next thing we know, we're in the just the dumps. I mean, we're having a terrible day. And that sounds a lot like what Mary and Martha were experiencing as we heard our text. And thank you, Debbie, for reading all of that. You even beat Troy last week. He only had 41 (laughs) verses and you had 46. But it is such an amazing account and it comes right on the heels of Uh, what we were talking about last week as we looked at Jesus and the blind man and how Jesus healed him. And he gets in some trouble, uh, what I would call holy trouble. He's doing something great for this this guy and giving him his sight. And uh, the religious leaders began to pick apart what Jesus did and to criticize him. And so the same kind of thing is going on here. And we have some commentary some chatter that is going on uh, that is very similar to that. And we, we find that here in this same uh, chapter that we've heard from this morning. And we, we, I think we can identify a lot with Mary and Martha and the challenges that we have in our lives, don't we? We can be very uh, excited about life. And as we think about our spirituality, about uh, following Jesus... We can have great times following Jesus. But then there can be some really terrible and difficult times that we have with Jesus as well. And so I want us to to look at those and get a feel for that balance that can take place. And I think the the place we begin is with our hope in Jesus. And that's what we see uh, taking place here is that Martha and Mary and Lazarus, they are all friends of Jesus. And they... Uh, have times where they are sharing meals together, times when they're just sitting around and and talking, and uh, times that have just been wonderful. All these memories that they are making in their lives. And they come to the point, though, where there's a real crisis and a real challenge to that friendship or to the relationship that they have. John fills us in on a little bit of the, the backstory here that Uh, Mary is the same one who washed Jesus' feet. And uh, I don't think we've had that reading in in our uh, our lectionary cycle in this this past uh, Lent season. But you you know the story where she comes in and breaks the perfume and pours them on the feet of Jesus. And there is this anointing uh, kind of ceremony that is going on as she is... Uh, recognizing who Jesus is to her and and all of what Jesus has meant to her. 
And there is all of this hope. And we see this when Lazarus gets sick. Lazarus and Jesus are friends. But Jesus is away. He is, he is out of the city. He's doing other things. And as He is there, we see that uh, Martha and Mary get quite concerned about their brother. That He is sick. He's getting close to death. They can tell that this is, is not going to end well unless they can call Jesus. Unless uh, they, can, they can get Jesus to come. So they send messengers over there to get Jesus. And they say, if you will come, then everything will be okay. Lazarus is sick. And so then there's this conversation with the disciples uh, where they are going back and forth and saying, Jesus, if you go back there, you're going to get in a lot of trouble. And so this conversation goes back and forth about what this means and, and what they ought to do. And, and Jesus decides that uh, he is going to go back, but he stays. He stays a couple more days and doesn't make it back in time. And so uh, in the midst of all of this, though, Martha and Mary are hoping that Jesus will come. But there is this great feeling that they have. Uh, and it's based on what they've seen of Jesus and what they've known of Him. That if we could just get Him here, then our brother will be well. And so the hope continues in, in Jesus. I read a, a definition of hope that, that stayed with me, and, and I wanted to share it with you. It comes from Jerome Groupman, um, and he diagnosed patients uh, all the time with serious diseases. And, and he is a Harvard Medical School professor and certainly has had lots of experience with this. But he discovered that all of those who had serious diseases, that all of them were looking for a sense of genuine hope and indeed that, that hope was as important to them as anything that he might prescribe as a physician. And so he recognizes this, that if he can give them hope, then that's the very best medicine. And after writing a book called The Anatomy of Hope, uh, he was asked for his definition, and he replied, basically, I think hope is the ability to see a path to the future. You are facing dire circumstances, and you need to know everything that's blocking or threatening you. And then you see a path or a potential path, a path that will get you where you want to be. And once you see that, there's a tremendous emotional uplift that occurs. And the doctor confessed, I think hope has been, is, and always will be the heart of medicine and healing. We could not live without hope. And even with all the medical technology available to us now, we still come back to this profound human need, he says, this need to believe that there is a possibility to reach a future that is better than the one in the present. Hope and healing, they go hand in hand. I love the song that we uh, sang earlier in the service, and, uh, and I love that uh, we had some tambourine going during that as, as well. But it is that sense of, of hoping in our healing, and hoping in a God who heals. And I think we find ourselves there today as well, at least I hope we do, where we are hoping in Jesus, 
that we have this relationship with Jesus. Just like Martha and Mary and Lazarus, they knew Jesus. They had seen, had, had all of these opportunities to see what Jesus could do in the life of a person. In fact, this man who was born blind and Jesus heals him. I mean, all of these kinds of things are things that they had witnessed and experienced. And they had great hope for a better future. In Jesus, they could see the pathway ahead because they lived in a very miserable uh, existence. An existence of being conquered by another government. An existence of poverty and oppression and all of the things that were going on around them in their society. But they had Jesus. And they had hope. And we are there as well. And we see the things that Jesus does. In our testimonies of faith, uh, often there are testimonies of things that God has done in the last week. And they are seemingly small at times, aren't they? We might share a little story about something that has happened, but it is something that has turned into something so great and so large that God was paying attention, that God was aware of something that was going on in someone's life. And that's a great feeling. And we are able to not only see those things, but we know Jesus. Deep down inside, Martha and Mary and Lazarus and, Lazarus and other people in that crowd, they knew Jesus. And therefore, they had hope. So there is this celebration of relationship, of having hope, but it is something that is challenged by their, their doubts and their disappointment. And if you just think about what's going on here with Martha and Mary, they're concerned for their brother. They love their brother, but they hate to see what is happening in his life. And so they call out to Jesus, they send word, and when Jesus does finally show up, disappointment has already set in. I'm sure they went to the messengers and said, didn't you tell Jesus? Well, he's not here. Are you sure you told him? Did you express to him the urgency of Lazarus's condition? Because surely he would be here by now. It's not that far. And Lazarus died. Not only uh, has he been dead for two or three days, but four days. And for uh, Jews, that the understanding there is that he is completely dead. That everything has left his body and uh, it's beyond three days. He is dead. There's no bringing him back. It's not that he's sick or in a coma. He is dead. He's already been placed in the grave. His body has already been anointed. All of that has taken place. And Jesus is not even on the scene. So when Jesus does get there, and we have struggles, don't we, with, well, Jesus, why, why did you stay back? You say you wanted God to be glorified through all this, but this, this doesn't make sense for you, Jesus. And that's exactly what Martha was saying to Jesus. Lord, if you had been here, and I don't think she said it quietly. I think she got in Jesus' face, and said, Lord, if you had been here, Lazarus would not have died. He'd still be here. We would have lunch together. We would be able to, to visit like old times. And so she is disappointed with Jesus. 
the psalm that we heard earlier, Psalm 130, there's a lot of disappointment that's there. And we find that in the psalms, don't we? Uh, In some of the psalms where uh, the psalmist is pouring out his heart to God and just crying out about the pain and the disappointment that is there. In a couple of weeks, we're going to look at disappointment in the life of Jesus. Lord, He says on the cross, why have you forsaken me? You said that you love me and that I am the beloved and you're pleased with me, so why am I on this cross? Disappointment with God. One of my favorite books is Philip Yancey's book, uh, Disappointment with God. And there is a quote, uh, I think we have it here, um, in this book, Yancey deals with the disappointments that we, we have uh, in our faith, especially as Christians. But he looks at Job, for example. Job's life is full of disappointment and how he handles that disappointment. But in this, uh, there's a quote that says, Can we live now as if God is loving, gracious, merciful, and all-powerful? even while the blinders of time are obscuring our vision. If we were to all be honest with each other this morning and to just talk about our disappointments, it'd be kind of depressing, wouldn't it? (laughs) On a rainy day. But it would be therapeutic because it would be cleansing as we would talk about, well, yes, I have faith in Jesus. I've had hope. In Jesus. But let me tell you, I've also been disappointed in Jesus. There are times when Jesus didn't show up. It's not that he didn't show up on time, he just didn't show up. Have you ever thought that? I have. And I'm sure you have too. Jesus, where were you? You are the Messiah. You are the Savior. You are the healer. You could take mud and put it on somebody's eyes and heal them, but why didn't you do that for me? Or why didn't you do it for my loved one? Jesus, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. You could have changed this situation. And we feel that way many times. Or, Jesus, you didn't do it the way I wanted you to do it. You didn't answer my prayer in the way that I wanted you to answer it. This relationship didn't work out and you could have made that better. This job that I wanted just never materialized. But I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. Or this disease, and I reflect sometimes uh, about the the conversation that, um, or the comment Bill Alan and I often hear on Tuesdays in chapel, there is a man who has such a sweetheart, and um, he talks about uh, being hit in the head and um, being sick, that he is not well, he, he has schizophrenia, and he talks about wanting to get better, and he prays and he prays, and God doesn't heal him, and he asks us in the chapel time. Why? 
Why doesn't God just heal me? I don't understand it. And he goes from disappointment to hope because he'll turn around uh, in the next chapel service and he will sing so beautifully uh, the, the tune that's in his heart. We don't often understand and we get disappointed. But isn't it good to know that God can handle our disappointment? It is not unbiblical. It is not sinful. It's not wrong at all for you to get disappointed with Jesus. Jesus certainly handled that with Martha. And I'm sure Mary was disappointed. I'm sure people in the town were disappointed. And uh, Lazarus, uh, I'm sure, had some disappointments in his final moments. Jesus, you didn't make it. But then we get to the breakthrough. Aren't you glad there's always a breakthrough? There is this breakthrough of realization that they all have about Jesus. So, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. I I love this text because this is the place where Jesus really gets in trouble with the Pharisees. Uh, And they comment, well, um, you know, this guy healed this blind man and he couldn't even get here for his friend. And by the way, Jesus is weeping. Did you catch that? He is sorrowful. There are several comments about that here. That Jesus is troubled. He is weeping. He's entering into their grief. He's entering into their suffering. And He goes to the grave where Lazarus is. He says, move the stone. But Jesus, it's going to smell. He's been in there four days. Jesus says, remove it. Remove the stone. And He calls for Lazarus. He says, Lazarus, Come out. And don't you know everybody was just shocked as they waited. Like, mm, I don't know if he's going to be able to do this one. He's done some pretty incredible things. I mean, that whole water to wine thing. And we've tried to get him to do that over and over again. And then the uh, taking all those demons out of people, that was really cool. We don't know how he did it, but he did it. And then that blind guy, yeah, he'd been, we knew him from, from our childhood. He's always been blind, but now he can see. But death? Does he really have power over death? And then they see a movement coming right there at the tomb. And out walks Lazarus. And you can see in this Uh, icon that is here where he is coming out all mummified and he is uh, getting freed from the chains of death and they are stunned by what they see Fred Craddock tells a story about a young pastor and so you know it's going to be good right a young pastor uh, who always does things right but a young pastor who goes to pray with an older woman She's near death, and she's in the hospital lying on the pillow. She is gasping for breath, and so he visits with her, and then he says, I need to go, but would you like to have prayer before I go? This is what they teach you in seminary. Don't stay very long. Don't wear them out. Just go in, talk to them, and then ask for prayer. And so he's doing what he was supposed to do. The old woman says, yes, I would like to have prayer. 
He says, well, what would you like us to pray for today? And she says, I'd like to pray that I'd be healed. Of course. The young pastor gasps. He hadn't had this happen before. But he goes on, Lord, we pray for your sustaining presence with this sick sister. He had already forgotten her name. For this sick sister, and if it be thy will, we pray that she will be restored to health and to service. But if it's not thy will, we certainly hope that she will adjust to her circumstances. Suddenly the old woman opens her eyes. And she sits up in bed, she throws her feet over the side of the bed, and then she stands up. She says, I think I'm healed. And she strides on out the door. The last the pastor sees, she's striding down the hall toward the nurse's station saying, look, look at me. The pastor goes down the steps, he goes out to the parking lot, and before he opens the door of his car, he looks up at heaven and says, Don't you ever do that to me again. (laughs) How dare you answer my prayer, God? He was stunned. She was stunned. The nurses, I'm sure, were stunned. It was a total breakthrough moment. And we are able to have those too. When we find that our hope has been restored... And that God is really still God. And that God works in our lives through Jesus. As we hear the words of Jesus. As we experience that relationship that we can have with Jesus. Then there are breakthrough moments of realization. That Jesus is truly full of God's glory. But we also see the power of life over death. And that's not just physical life and death. Look at what happens in Lazarus' life as he comes back out of the grave. He has resurrected life in this world. And that is the promise that we have too, that we not only get to walk out of the grave one day, but before we even get there, we can experience the reality and the thrill and the joy of real life right here on earth. And that's what communion is reminding us as we come to participate in it today. As we take from the bread and as we take from the cup, we recognize that Jesus really is the resurrection and the life. And that we get to participate. We get to commune with God in such a way that we really experience it. Let's go to God in prayer.